0: Yo, welcome back everyone. Many individuals unfamiliar with Bitcoin are confused by it. How can this magic internet money have any value? It's a computer thing. For decades, gold bugs have argued that sound money must be supported by something solid, hard, and precious. Bitcoin can't qualify as money. It has no real value. Those thoughts are probably why so many are not gonna make it. But Bitcoin, in its growth from 0 to 69,000 cuck bucks, and currently at $21,000, along with its growth and movement towards a medium of exchange was all laid out and explained back in 1912 by one of the greatest economists of all time. So let's take a look and see just how Bitcoin became so valuable and still has so much more room to run. Well, 14 years ago, Bitcoin became a potential alternative to government-issued money. On October 31st, 2008, Satoshi Nakamoto published the White Paper. The organization and tone of this piece of writing conveyed the idea that this kind of money is intended for computer experts and not for economists or political commentators. The paper only had a small circulation, and newcomers who did read it found it a little confusing. However, the lack of attention did not prevent the progression of his historical events, as we know. Those who were paying attention two months later witnessed the creation of the Genesis Block, which was the first set of Bitcoins to be produced under Nakamoto's notion of a distributed ledger that could reside on any computer node on the planet with anyone who chose to host it. Now, here we are, 14 years later. A Bitcoin costs about $21,000. Thousands of online and offline businesses accept it. Its payment mechanism is popular in underdeveloped nations without large financial facilities and developed countries, the Fed, OECD, the World Bank, and other big investment companies are taking note big time. Because Bitcoin's supply is restricted and it offers the system far better than government issued money, fiat enthusiasts worldwide believe its exchange value will continue to rise. Bitcoin transfers are direct, exchange is cheap, it has a predictable supply. As we discussed in our last episode, money must be durable, fungible, divisible, Bitcoin 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 provides a monetary system independent of trust, identification, central banks, and government. A new, entirely digital system. The concept has proved difficult for hard money thinkers before comprehending Bitcoin and reading about it for years and years. The concept bothers and troubles many. Computer code can't produce money. Why is it valuable? Something's wrong. We expected a different form of monetary reform. Well, check your expectations and assumptions. Ludwig von Mises' view of money's origins, not based on what some assume he wrote, but on what he actually wrote, should be given much more attention. Mises 1912, The Theory of Money and Credit, German and English versions were enormous hits across Europe. While addressing every facet of money, his main contribution was tracing the worth and price of money, not simply money itself, all the way to its roots. He discussed how products and services determine money's value. Bitcoin meets every criterion of Mises' regression theorem, which he eventually Named. Now I know there are many regression theorem deniers and we hope to dispel that today and we we will seek to do so very simply. Now let's go back. Carl Menger, Mises tutor, showed that the market creates money, not the state. As monetary entrepreneurs seek an ideal indirect exchange commodity, it emerges gradually. Right? A store of value, a medium of exchange, and then a unit of account. And this process it doesn't happen overnight. Instead of bartering individuals buy goods to exchange, money is the most most marketable good. And however, Mises noted that money's worth stems from its barter value. Mises claimed money can only have value this way. quote The theory of the value of money as such can trace back the objective exchange value of money only to that point where it ceases to be the value of money and becomes merely the value of a commodity. If in this way we continually go farther and farther back, we must eventually arrive at a point where we no longer find any component in the objective exchange value of money that arises from valuations based on the function of money as a common medium of exchange, where the value of money is nothing other than the value of an object that is useful in some other way than as money. Before it was usual to acquire goods in the market, not for personal consumption, but simply in order to exchange them again for the goods that were really wanted, each individual commodity was only accredited with that value given by the subjective valuations based on its direct utility. Now utility, how it's used, what value does it bring? What new innovation does it possess? Now Mises' answer addressed a fundamental economist conundrum. The conjectural history makes sense. Would salt have became money if it were useless? Without clothing use, would beaver pelts have value? If silver and gold weren't commodities originally, would they be money? Monetary history says no. Before its exchange, money's worth stems from its direct usage. Historical reconstruction proves it. That is Mises' regression theorem. Oh yeah, but Bitcoin appears to be an exception. A Bitcoin can only be used for money. It's unwearable. It's not machinable. You can't eat or decorate it. Only as a unit of indirect exchange does it have value. However, Bitcoin is money. Its daily real-time exchanges are shown. It's true. It's authentic. So was Mises wrong? Is the regression, do we need to discard the regression theory? You know, maybe his reasoning was historical and it's not applicable in the digital age. Maybe his regression theorem proves that Bitcoin is merely a fad because it can't be turned to a meaningful commodity. Now, in the words of the old sunshine scooter, Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. You don't need complex monetary theory to comprehend Bitcoins. Many individuals like me feel uneasy with money that has no physical basis. Sure, you can print a Bitcoin on. On a sheet of paper, but having a QR code or public key doesn't alleviate that discomfort. We need a solution. You know, many have pondered the topic, and many have questioned if Macy's idea applied exclusively pre-digitally. If you follow online conjecture that Bitcoin's value would be zero without the national currencies into which it is exchanged, but due to a severe need for something other than the dollar, maybe Bitcoin just outperformed Macy's scenario. Now, let's just break it down, though. What is Bitcoin's utility in which for it to apply to the regression theorem? Well, it's very simple. Bitcoin is a money and payment mechanism. The accounting unit price value for the payment system, most analysts have problems understanding its most peculiar characteristic, the unification of money and payment. So let's dispel the regression theory deniers. Currency and payment systems are usually thought of separately. This approach reflects historical technological constraints, but you have credit cards and dollars, euros and PayPal, yen and wire services. Money transmission always uses third parties. The institution arranging the contract must trust that you will pay to use them. Quote, this wedge between money and payment has always been with us, except for the case of physical proximity. So me and you, there is no third party when I buy your pizza slice for a dollar, as an example. After leaving geographic closeness, payment mechanisms, third parties, and trust connections are needed. Visa and banks become essential. They control the financial software. And thus, today's payment mechanisms aren't open to everyone. Most of mankind lacks such instruments, which contributes to global poverty. Financially disadvantaged people cannot trade globally. This was Bitcoin's main goal. The protocol integrated currencies and payments. The code links them. This relationship distinguishes Bitcoin from all other world currencies. Let's read Satoshi's white paper abstract. His monetary system relies on the payment mechanism. Quote: A purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. Digital signatures provide a part of the solution, but the main benefits are lost if a trusted third party is still required to prevent double spending. We propose a solution to double spending problem using a peer-to-peer network. The network timestamps transactions by hashing them into an ongoing chain of hash-based proof-of-work, forming a record that cannot be changed without redoing the proof-of-work. The longest chain not only serves as a proof of the sequence of events, witnessed, but proof that it came from the largest pool of CPU power. As long as a majority of CPU power is controlled by nodes that are not cooperating to attack the network, they'll generate the longest chain and outpace attackers. The network itself requires minimal structure, messages are broadcast on the best effort basis, and nodes can leave and rejoin the network at will, accepting the longest proof-of-work chain as proof of what happened while they were gone. This paragraph is notable for not mentioning the currency unit. Only double spending is mentioned, which is to say the problem of inflationary money creation the payment network not the coin is the innovation according to its inventor the currency or digital unit solely represents network value it absorbs and transports network value time chain or blockchain if you will describes it it's a distributed ledger on a cloud that anyone can watch view and audit themselves all users carefully monitor it it transfers secure non-repeatable bits of information to everyone in the world using a digital property title or a private key and a public key pair Nakamoto dubbed these digital signatures His, his cloud based ledger verifies property rights without a trust agency time chain and the blockchain solves the Byzantine General's problem coordination over a vast geographic area with potentially hostile parties is the difficulty because generals separated by distance must rely on messengers which cost time and trust. No general can be confident the other general has received and confirmed the message, much less its correctness. Internet accessible ledgers solve this issue. Transaction amounts, timings, and public addresses are recorded in the ledger. Information is updated globally. The ledger ensures system integrity and makes the currency unit digital property with a title. Now, all of this, this shows that Bitcoin's value is tied to its payment network. This is Mises' use value. It's in Bitcoin's ingenious payment mechanism, not the monetary unit. The value of Bitcoin would drop to zero if the time chain or blockchain, if you will, were divorced from Bitcoin, which is impossible. To better grasp Mises' theory and Bitcoin, you must also understand its history. Bitcoin had no value on its launching date, January 9, 2009. For 10 months following its publication, transactions occurred while it had no posted value above zero. Bitcoin was initially priced on October 5th, 2009. $1 bought 1,309.03 Bitcoin, which many considered overpriced at the time. Thus, Bitcoin was first valued at one-tenth of a penny. If you had acquired $100 worth of Bitcoin back then and not sold it in panic, you would be uh, pretty much a billionaire today. Now, good question. Why did Bitcoin gain value between January 9th and October 5th? traders, hobbyists, entrepreneurs, and others tested uh, the Bitcoin time chain of blockchain. Did it work? Well, it transferred units without double spending. Did voluntary CPU power check and confirm transactions? Do the rewarded Bitcoins pay for verification services? Most importantly, did this new technology work to move secure, title-based information through geographic space, peer-to-peer? Confidence took 10 months. Bitcoin hit dollar parity 18 months later. If you use Mises' regression theorem to guess on money's prehistory, you must grasp this history. Bitcoin was formerly worthless. It was originally a ledger attached accounting unit. Mises named this ledger use value. Theorem requirements have been met. So to summarize, if anyone claims that Bitcoin is founded on nothing but thin air and cannot be a money because it has no true history as a commodity, whether they are a newbie or well-trained economist, you must raise two main issues. One, Bitcoin is an accounting unit tied to an innovative payment network, not a currency. Two, this network and Bitcoin only gain value through real-time market testing. Bitcoin emerged Like every previous currency, from salt to gold, after you account for its flashy technical aspects, the payment system and accounting were practical, portable, divisible, fungible, durable, and scarce. Therefore, money appeared. And this money contains all the best aspects of past money in a weightless and spaceless payment network that lets the world trade without third parties. Th- this is crucial. The-, the time chain goes beyond money. It concerns secure, verified, and accurate information transmissions, peer-to-peer contracts and transactions apply. Imagine a world without third parties. Even the most deadly third party ever created, the state. Imagine that future to understand our future's full ramifications. Bitcoin would have astonished Ludwig von Mises, but he may also be proud that his 100-year-old monetary theory has been validated and revived in the 21st century with Satoshi Nakamoto's discovery and creation.